Hi everyone, this is Anne-Marie Lockhart and you're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry. I have with us today, Daryl Willis. Daryl, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Um, we're going to start with a poem. All right. And uh, the poem that I selected is uh, one I recently wrote called Ukrainka, which means uh, a female Ukrainian or a woman of Ukraine. Uh, from the corner of my eye, I caught her in a street cafe, dressed in black, my old friend who followed from the land tween. Belgrade sun caressed my face. Its brightness made me close my eyes. I blinked twice and she was gone, a shadow of my daytime dream. She haunts me still, this friend of mine, despite attempts to deny, so I catch her from time to time in the corner of my eye. I remember that poem. I uh, read it for the first time a few years back. And it was beautiful then, and it's beautiful now. Can you tell our readers a little bit of your history with Ukraine? Yes, I first encountered Ukraine in 2009. I'm, I worked for a, a nonprofit organization called EEM, which used to stand for Eastern European Mission. We're used to be biosmugglers, and now we're Bible publishers and distributors. I was in charge of a youth camp program. I would bring adults over to teach in the old communist youth camps in Ukraine. At their request, they would ask us to come teach character. Uh, and so we would do that, spend two weeks at a time uh, in the camps. So I've been doing that from 2009 to 2017. And you've seen a lot of change in that time. Oh, yes. Uh, at the time, I was traveling a lot to Donetsk region and to the city of Donetsk, which uh, was one of the most beautiful. For me, it was a new city. It was like in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was uh, just a beautiful city. And I love Donetsk, eastern Ukraine, very much so. Uh, but now the war has taken, uh, has, has started, and it's, uh, Donetsk is now a separatist-controlled region, so I can't even get into Donetsk anymore. Wow. So it has altered, the, the times have changed and it's altered, uh, I guess, where you spend your time over there amongst other things. Yeah, I spend a lot more time when I am over there and my job has changed a little bit too. So I have a, a broader uh, task nowadays. But uh, when I do go over there, I can't go to Donetsk. Uh, it's not safe mm. or Crimea. Uh, but I'm usually more in central and western Ukraine. I travel all over Ukraine when I am there. How often do you go? Well, this, uh, because we've changed my role, uh, I travel only about once a year to Eastern Europe and Central Europe. Uh, before, I've gone 26 times uh, to Ukraine specifically uh, since 2009. And until 2017, I'd spend about uh, four to six weeks in Ukraine at a time. Wow. Now, you've written a lot of poetry about these experiences. Can, can you tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about that, the poetic journey of this experience for you? Well, I was writing poetry in the early 80s. I mean, my first poem was when I was in high school in the 70s. I was a junior in high school when I wrote my very first poem. Um, and somewhere between then and, and the early 80s, I quit writing poetry. Um, and I picked up some, I, I read Joy Harjo and some of her stuff, and that inspired me to write poetry again. But then I had just whole, completely dry spell. When I, for the first time, went to Ukraine, 
it was like someone opened the gate. It was like, mm. you've got to write this. Ukraine kind of became a muse to me. And Ukraine is, is all its self-perception is it's female. It's a female, you know, the, the mother Ukraine, you know, it's, it's so it, it sees itself as, as a woman. And so that was just a rather fascinating thing. It, it really became a muse. Uh, fell in love with the people, the country, uh, just a, a very deep and very ancient uh, civilization. And I know that um, bits of the language come out in your writing and, and you, you speak about the culture, uh, about the food, the music. It all becomes very dimensional in your writing. How hard is it to embed those pieces, those elements into a, a work that's English primarily? Uh, well, I would, I would like for my Ukrainian friends to tell me if I'm doing any good at it, <laughs> but, uh, but I, it, part of the thing is I like playing with words. I like picking up language bits You know, I'm not fluent by any stretch, but, uh, so when you hang around with, with uh, Ukrainians for a long period of time or anyone, you begin to pick up some of the phraseology. And so it wasn't that hard for me to integrate it in it. I was a theater major back in, when I was in uh, first couple of years of college. So I tended to pick up accents and, and wordplay and things like that. So it wasn't that hard for me. Um, and how do you, and, and, you know, the other thing that's fascinating to me, um, it's, there's a musicality to it. And, and some of that is because of it, the language itself, but um, translating that in a primarily written format uh, is not, is a challenge. So you're able to to put a lot of texture in those things. How much of that is a conscious effort, or is it naturally part of how the writing emerges? It tends to be natural for me. I, I'm very, um, I'm a very feel it, you know, uh, not near as analytical as a lot of people are. Now, some people would argue with me, say, oh, "You're you're more analytical than you think you are," <laughs> um, but it is kind of a catch, you know. It kind of it just absorbs uh, for me. Um, let's talk a bit about what other things you write about. We're going to come back to this Ukrainian piece, but I want to also talk about, you know, you, you, that's not the only subject that finds its way into your poetry. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I, I write a lot about family. I write a lot about spirituality because of my own belief system. Um, I think that, uh, I will use biblical tales uh, sometimes, or sometimes even uh, Hasidic Jewish tales, uh, which, by the way, the Hasidic movement started in Ukraine. Uh, but I was in love with it way before then. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was just one of those uh, 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 little paradoxes that I stumbled upon. So, uh, and, and it's almost like... Um the journey that you take us on in your writing is both geographic and historic and metaphoric and uh, spiritual uh, kind of, you're covering a lot of dimension at one time, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, well, I, I guess I'm just kind of all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're writing the roadmap for, um, for, for this, this, this earth and life that we inhabit here sometimes, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're all called to do in writing, I guess. So, you know, kudos for that. Um, when you are, you're, you're doing a lot of travel time. And I know, I know that, you know, we're talking about this experience as this bastion of writing, but I know that you're a busy man when you're, when you're in, in transit and, uh, and, and when you're back here in the States as well. 
how do you fit editing into your writing process? Rather naturally, uh, well, I always carry with me a commonplace book, a little journal. And uh, if you were to ever see my writing, you would just go, oh my goodness, I didn't even <laughs> read that. I, I mind map my poetry a lot. So I'll start with a concept in the center of the page and I'll just start you know, webbing out across that. And if, maybe it's a phrase, maybe it's something, just a, a play of words that um, I may have no, I may no, have no idea where I'm going with it, you know, mm. and I'll just start sticking words together. But then after I finally, it, the, the editing happens in the brainstorming. It, it's all happening at the same time. Um, and I'll be scratching out words that that doesn't work or that doesn't fit. And then I write it out into the verse form. And then I take a look at that rhythm. And so it's, it, it's a process that can take, it, it seems fast to me, but I, I recognize it's not so fast. Sometimes I'll let a poem sit on the back burner for weeks and weeks before I come back to it. Um, mm. And then I always run it by my daughters uh, and mm. say, what do you think, girls? And they're very good critics. I will tell you that. So. <laughs> they're very honest, aren't they? <laughs> yes, and they're good editors, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, you know what? They're artists and they know what they, they know what you need. Sometimes they have a diff. they have the eye that, um, that you'd expect them to have, but they also don't have the, the, uh, they don't care as much about hurting your feelings when it's something that needs to be said. And that's a valuable thing. Yes. Well, and we all speak to each other that way. I, I would, uh, I would edit my, my oldest daughter's plays a mm -hmm. lot. I mean, she would send them, what do you think, dad? Is this going to work? You know? And so we really get very straight with each other. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to have that kind of creative relationship and, and with one's children, it's even more awesome, but you know, wherever you find it, we encourage that here at Vox Poetica. Um, I'd like you to read another poem, if you will. Okay. Well, let's go with the spiritual one that comes out of the Bible. Um, since that's what I do. Uh, this is Penny L is the title of it. I wrote this in 2017 and it's uh, basically about Jacob uh, and his wrestling with God, uh, or some people say the angel. Um, and he names the place Peniel, which means face of God. Um, uh, those who see the face of God have to peer through veils of tears clothed in obscurity or limp along a dusty road and bear the bitter blessing of a God who will not be tamed. Those who see the face of God stare into another's eyes, reflections of a darkened glass, fearful of deceitful past, wrestling late into the night, grasping the elusive word. Those who see the face of God must walk with pain all their days, while angelic dreams descend only once, and unrepeated leaving them alone to doubt everything they once believed. Those who see the face of God know what only others fear. Blessings and curses walk in pairs along the same weary road, opposing sides of a coin, until the day their journey ends. Another beautiful poem. Um, we talked a little bit uh, before we went on the air about preferred format. And you mentioned that you don't write a lot of rhyming poems, but you do work a lot with meter. So for a lot of people, that's a big challenge. Uh, talk a little bit to us about how that works for you. Well, I just find that, um... I find that rhyming poems, you can easily write rhyme, and it can easily sound very amateurish, and um, I don't know. Um, I had an English teacher once that hated the poem Trees, 
you know, I don't I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. Yeah. Da, 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 da. You yeah. know, it just drives you up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, it's a famous poem. What can I say? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I prefer blank poetry most often. And if a rhyme occurs, it's there, but I'm not committed to it. You yeah. know, so it, it's I don't have to to stick with that uh, with that scheme. I prefer uh, poems that have meter. Sometimes I write in uh, iambic, uh, either pentameter or tetrameter, either a five beat line or a four beat line. But even then, I will mix it up to make people stop. And they have to wait, that, that rhythm didn't, it changed on me. And the idea is to slow you down, to make you suddenly pay attention. It's like what free verse does in a poem. Mm -hmm. um, people would write free verse all the time and it kind of misses the point with free verse what really made free verse powerful is that you're writing this very structured poem either with metric or with uh with rhyme and suddenly the emotion takes over and you have to break through all of that bounds and write free verse you have to blurt it out there and it doesn't have any rhyme or structure um but that it draws your attention to it because of that because it's the exception um so i find writing um I naturally write tetrameter, four beat lines, uh, just seems to naturally come my way. Um, but it is a challenge because if you're not careful, you can either get so uh, predictable with it or the the rhyme doesn't, or the, the pattern doesn't work. The, the words don't fit to your, your beats. So it, it really does take a little, it is a challenge to me at times, but after a while you get used to it and suddenly you start thinking that way. <laughs> In a conversation, in a meeting, for example. <laughs> so why, are you, why are you speaking in a rhythm? <laughs> and I think you you just you just hit upon exactly uh, one one of the things that makes challenging challenging writing um, the kind of things some writers shy away from is it feels like you want you have to work too hard at, at avoiding something and. And sometimes, like you just said, if you kind of step away from that and you don't think about it in that fixed concept, it it, it kind of will fo it will flow. You'll follow a natural natural mm -hmm. road back to that. Um, it's fascinating the way we have moved in terms of our thinking about poetry, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I think that's a healthy thing. And we have all these forms to choose from, you know, which makes life a lot easier when you're trying to be creative. Um, now. The other, the other, so you're, you have topic wise and style wise and, you know, uh, the kinds of things that you're writing when you're, do you write different, differently for, uh, different audiences? So is there, is there work that you do specifically writing that you do specifically for, uh, your Ukrainian friends or, um, is there a Ukrainian readership for you that's different than maybe your American readers here? Well, it's kind of strange. I, I don't really focus on my audience when I'm writing, and maybe it's more therapy for me, you know, uh, but uh, it, it sounds almost self-centered, doesn't it, as I'm focusing on what I want to write. Um, but uh, my Ukrainian audience, th those in Ukraine that read, that read any of my stuff, they... Ukrainian poetry tends to be very structured and and rhyme. Uh, so it, when they read my work in English, my English work, they're going, that's an interesting way of doing it, you know, because it's not one that they're used to. I think they do have a, a blank verse they call white verse, I think is what they call it. Um, but I have a few uh, 
what I call my my children in Ukraine, people generally the age of my daughters that connect with me that speak English, and uh, they like my Ukrainian uh, cycles. They really enjoy those, and they say I, this is this is fun to read. So that <laughs> I, I guess it's working for them. I'm not real sure. <laughs> Do they? I, I would imagine they find some of your observations of their world interesting too, different from a different perspective. Yes, and and coming from an outsider, and that's something I have to be really careful of. And at least for me, I have to be careful because I don't want to be that person that just assumes that I know everything yeah. about Ukraine. I I am a learner. Um, you know, I, I talked to the people I used to send over there in training. I do training for them, and I'd say, okay, you don't have a right to talk politics to them, yeah. and you don't have a right to say anything about their politics unless you live there thirty years and you speak the language fluently. And even then, you better be careful, yeah, uh, because you don't know their context, and so you have to be humble. Uh, yeah. So I think humility is a big, big issue in writing poetry and in writing poetry into context that you're not familiar with. Yeah, I think that's a very important point, and one we sometimes lose sight of as Americans. <laughs> We're not known oh, yes. for our humility. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what are you working on now? Uh, well, right now I've just been I've just finished writing some stuff that I've already posted. So right now I'm just kind of resting a little bit. I'm I'm in between city travel. I travel across the uh, the South. I'm in. Uh, the Carolinas, the Virginias, Arkansas, Missouri. Right now, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh boy! Um, so I, I'm doing some development work for our organization. So it's like I, I grab it when I can. So right at the moment, I'm not. My goal has been trying to produce at least a poem a week, and so that's kind of where I'm working with uh, a poem a week. So I, we'll see how that works out. And with all of this different travel now, and you're in, in so many different places at once, who knows what you'll find on the road? Oh, I've had several poems I've written that are road-based. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I pulled one of those up. I didn't. Uh, so. <laughs> you might be a chapbook in that, Daryl. You never know. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I thought, I've actually thought that. <laughs> Um, we, I, we're, we're running out of time, so I'd like to close with the final poem, if you can. Okay. I talked about how I like to break up stuff uh, and make you stop uh, with a rhythm. This one's called The Poem. I just wrote this last week, I believe, and it's written in iambic pentameter, uh, five beats to a line, and I am ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. But you'll see what happens. Sometimes I want to slow you down, make you stop, think, and breathe, to pause a beat, before you move your eyes across a line that follows naturally and flows with necessity. But you must wait, stop, or you will miss the respite offered for your grief, your pain, or burnt out life. Just a moment is all I need to make you see a life well lived is filled with this slowing down and taking time to pause, stop, relax, hesitate, wait, hush, feel. Hear the metronomic beating in the center of your soul. It is in the silent interval between the worlds where the space makes you whole. Lovely. Very lovely. A beautiful use of intentional pacing. And uh, once again, instructive to both the listener and to the writer. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. 
Uh, Daryl, tell us where we can find more of your work, please. I publish a lot on Medium. And so you can look me up on uh, on uh, Medium. I publish in, uh, let's see, uh, Poets Unlimited. Uh, they have a lot of my stuff in it. And I believe my, my name is just Daryl Willis, if you are looking for it. So I'm uh, literally literary is one poetry and form is another uh area i publish and of course i've had some poems uh published uh, well several poems published in box poetica which uh i really appreciate what you guys do with that um just got you have some great stuff did that sound self-serving <laughs> <laughs> no it did not <laughs> okay but yeah that's where you'll find me uh just hanging out in medium and in box poetica well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, read with us and share with us. And I look forward to reading more of your work as always. And I know our listeners do as well. Uh, have a great day, Daryl. Thank you. And you are the same. And everybody else, thank you for joining. And you'll be, be remiss if you don't check out more of Daryl's work. It's always amazing. Um, listen in soon. I don't know who's coming up next, but you'll find out uh, a little bit after I do. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining.